This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. Good morning. Uh, Sorry to cut across your conversations. There'll be plenty of time later to carry them on. Uh, It's just so good uh, to be with you uh, this morning. Um, I just want to say uh, just how wonderful last Sunday was um, as we kick-started our Advent series. Um, And yeah, just spend some time getting into this festive spirit. I just want to take a moment, and I can't see her in the room, so that's good, so I can talk nicely about her. I just want to take a moment just to honor Rebecca and all that she has done um, for uh, all the incredible hard work that she's put into our family services um, over, over the last kind of four or five months. Um, yeah, they've just been so creative and crafty, uh, like, oh, I just can't get my head around that kind of thing. That's definitely not my bag. So I'm just so thankful that we have uh, just so much amazing talent um, of, of people who, who are, are capable of doing things like that. And it's been wonderful to see our young people getting involved as well. Um, so yeah, so it's been really good to have something different and engaging. Uh, not that hopefully today won't be engaging. Um, but uh, interactive, I think, is what I was meaning. Um, and just spending an opportunity to spend time getting to know each other. It's just been really, really good um, once a month of the, the past few months, as I said, and yeah, so I just want to honor her, and if she were here, I'd give her a round of applause, but she's not here, so we're not going to do that, but yeah, I think, um, I think you'll all agree that she deserves a well-earned rest, and um, we're really excited about what, about kind of some plans that we've got coming up uh, for the new year, but also just um, that, uh, yeah, Rebecca and Johnny are going to be helping us launch our new um, SV Youth Sundays, it's going to be happening twice a month from, from the January, so we're really, really excited about that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Johnny's here, so you can give him a little, little woo. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's just fantastic to see, you know, we've got so many young people now uh, here, and we just really want to honor them and, and get alongside them and, and, you know, just develop their, uh, develop them and help them grow in their relationship with God. So, really, really excited about what's going to be happening in the new year with that. So, watch this space. So that's, uh, so yeah, so today we are continuing our Advent series, um, and I don't know about you, but uh, I always feel like Christmas kind of creeps up on me. Uh, one minute you're commenting, you know, you go around the house every day being like, I can't believe how dark it is. Can you, it's like three o'clock, can you believe how dark it is? Like, ev- like without fail, every day from the last Sunday in October, you go around and say, it's getting really dark, isn't it? Um, and then all of a sudden you're here and it's December and you're like, should we just get, like, I mean, who here has their Christmas tree up? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, you know, if I'm perfectly honest, that's a much, that's a lot less than I thought. Um, so, uh, yeah, we put our Christmas tree up last Sunday. So our, my, my general rule of, of thumb is, you know, the start of Advent is a reasonable time to put your Christmas tree up. Uh, but also, I think like, we used to have it, we used to put it up kind of, some mid-December, but then during lockdown and stuff, you just needed to bring yourself some festive cheer. So we started this thing of putting the Christmas tree up, you know, as early as possible. And so, and so we've just continued it. And you know what? I just love how the tree transforms the room into this kind of winter wonderland. Uh, we have we have our roles in our house. I'm the lights guy. So it normally, so we get the tree up and then I wrap the lights around 
and then I take them off because I've run out of lights by about, you know, three feet from the top, and then I wrap them up again, and I get closer to the top, and I take them down, and I pull them tight, and eventually after three or four times, the lights are on, and that's about three hours later, Fiona's gone to bed, and then the next morning, she'll come, and she'll set the tree up, and she'll get all the baubles on it, and then just making it look just amazing, just, uh, again, that kind of skill that I just don't have. This year is slightly different. Uh, Jesse has chosen this week to learn how to crawl. And her favorite destination, surprisingly, is the twinkly lights and the baubles. So, uh, so we have this kind of exclusion zone around the bottom of the tree. There are no baubles on the bottom two rows. And it looks a little bit bare, but you, if you just kind of squint, um, and it, it, kinda, it still looks really pretty. But yeah, uh, that's the joys of having a crawling uh, baby around the house. But uh, yeah, I mean, we all have our Christmas traditions, don't we? And uh, things that we like to do this time of year, uh, Christmas films and Christmas music, uh, I mean, Christmas music is definitely a mainstay in the house now. Uh, putting the Christmas tree up, you know, you have to get Michael Bublé on singing. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I won't, I'll save you the rendition, but, um, but yeah, I mean, and I don't know about you, but I'm, a, I'm slightly worried by how many mince pies that I've already eaten. It is the 4th of December. I'm fairly sure I'm on my fourth pack. I've already gone through a whole tub of brandy butter. I mean, it's like, you know, Coming down, working from home is just terrible, isn't it? You come down for a cup of tea and you're like, oh, well, we have to have a mince pie with a cup of tea. So, um, and the amount of tea and coffee I drink during the, house, uh, during the, during the day, uh, yeah. So two or three mince pies a day, I'm, I'm going to say that's normal. Uh, please don't tell me if that's not. Don't burst my bubble. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, just the joys of Christmas, the joys of this time, the things that we do, uh, just, you know, bringing the cheer, you know. But I wonder if many of us think about why we actually have Christmas. I mean, we kind of know why we have Christmas, but do we, do we think about it during this time in the run-up? You know, why do we give gifts and sing carols and not to mention all the other traditions that we, that we have? You know, as Christians, Christmas is full of meaning uh, for us. It's not just a celebration of Jesus' birth, uh, but it's a celebration of his life, his death, and the fulfillment of God's promises uh, that we see throughout Scripture. Jesus has shaped uh, the history of time as we know it. Our whole calendars are based on this event some 22, no, 2022 years ago. There we go. What year is it? Or, you know, give and take five or six years. Um, but this morning, I just thought we could explore the origins of Christmas, consider why Jesus was born in the first place. And, and if Jesus is the savior of the world, then what did he actually save us from? And so to answer that, we need to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis as we, read, uh, as we read the Bible, you know, open your Bible, Genesis 1, it's, you know, it all started with the creation of the universe, this uh, very creative and loving God uh, just breathing things into life. This year, Chris, uh, this year Cooper's Christmas list, uh, if you don't know, Cooper is my three-year-old, uh, he, um, his, his Christmas list, and I hope he's not listening on the podcast because I'm going to give away some of his Christmas presents here, um, but don't worry, he won't. Um, so he's, his Christmas list has got a bit of a space theme, you know, we've got uh, rockets on there, we've got a space theme play mat, you know, a lift and flap books, um, you know, just exploring the beauty and wonder of space. Um, it doesn't matter if you're three, if you're 33, or if you're 93. I think we all can stop and marvel uh, at God displaying his works of art in the planets, the stars, and the galaxies. But there is one planet, our planet, that he made unique with incredible detail. You know, detail like how it's just the right distance from the sun so that we don't 
you know, get really, really burnt, or um, or has just the right amount of t- tilt, so we get these, you know, these incredible seasons, and you know that we have just the right amount of gravity, so that we are, uh, you know, to, to sustain life. I, uh, I just, I just, I want to just take a moment, and you won't be able to hear this if you're listening back, but just. It sounds like the kids are having great fun, and that is, you know, that is just what it's all about, isn't it? You know, we really, uh, I think, I think it'd be, it'd be worrying if they weren't. So that's, so yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, so, why did Jesus have, uh, why did Jesus have to be born? Well, you know, most of, uh, you know, how most of the story goes. God creates Adam and Eve and puts them into the garden where everything is good. He wants them to rule over and care for His creation. But then sin enters the world, evil and death are unleashed, and God banishes Adam and Eve from the garden. Then God makes a promise to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15. It says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. So here, God is promising Satan that he will be crushed by one of Eve's offspring. The phrase, you will strike his heel, that's reference to Satan's repeated attempts to defeat Christ uh, during his life on earth. He will strike your head, foreshadows Satan's defeat when Christ rose from the dead. So so God was already revealing his plan to defeat Satan and offer salvation to the world. And the countdown to Christmas was on. I think it's incredible. We just, you know, as we read the very very first couple of chapters of the Bible were already leading up to this massive event. You know, the whole of the Bible becomes about who this son of Eve is and who will be the one to defeat evil and death and allow humanity to return back to the garden and back to relationship with God. Now, by a few, a few more chapters into Genesis, we see earth was no longer the perfect paradise that God had intended. And it's frightening to see just how quickly all of humanity had just descended into chaos and forgotten about God. You know, there was only really one person left who remembered uh, the God of creation perfection and love and that's where we meet Noah now he is described as the last of God's people Noah was a bold man this was implied in Genesis 6 where and and stated in 2 Peter 2 verse 5 where Noah is called a preacher of righteousness during the 120 years before the flood Noah built the ark and he also preached righteousness to his own generation I'm sure he warned them all of the judgment to come and invited them to join him but no one listened and the floods came And let's fast forward to the end of the story in in Genesis 9, verse 12, where it said, Then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I've placed my rainbow in the clouds. It's a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember the covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see a rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is a sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. Now, we don't really dwell too much on the death and destruction uh, and the wiping out of humanity in the Sunday school version of this story. I think it can be a little bit scary when we do, but I I just think it's crazy to think how bad things must have been uh, for God to express this much sorrow, you know, for his heart to be so broken by the fallen world that this was his only choice. God was sorry that the people chose to sin, 
people, God was sorry that people chose sin and death instead of a relationship with him. And here we see the gravity of God's justice and the promise of his salvation. Like Noah, we too live in a world filled with evil, and we see time and time again throughout the Bible, God showing his love and patience for people in order to save them. And here we see in verses 12 to 17, God's promise and God's promise and the first hint towards Jesus' birth. Because never again will he destroy everything on earth until the judgment day when Christ returns to destroy evil forever. Just as God provided salvation for Noah and his family when his judgment was brought upon the world, so also God provided salvation through Christ. So the next person in the origin of Christmas is Abraham and the promise by God to make his descendants into a great nation if he obeyed him. Now God calls a man named Abram, later known as Abraham, to launch up his plan to rescue and bless the whole world through his family. There's a slight problem in that Abraham doesn't have any children and his wife is unable to conceive. However, God reaffirms his promise of a son and Isaac is born. But the long wait for Isaac wasn't Abraham's true test. This comes later when God asked him to take his one and beloved son and sacrifice him. As, and we see parallels of here of God's willingness to sacrifice his only son for us. Now it's through Abraham's family tree that Jesus Christ is born uh, to save humanity. And although he didn't deserve to die, God made Jesus uh, the sacrifice to wash away our sins. We can trust God with everything he's given us because he did not withhold anything from us. It says in John 3, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So the whole narrative of the Old Testament points to Jesus. I love the account of Jesus' of Jesus genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. He goes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Ruth and Boaz, Jesse, King David, Solomon and so on. So through this line we see the fulfillment of so many Old Testament prophecies and reminded of God's promise to undo the effect of sin and bring light into the darkness. It's amazing to see the birth and life of Jesus being prophesied about many hundreds and thousands of years before his time. And we've got a couple of examples that are just going to come up on, this, uh, up on the screen. So in Genesis 22, uh, Genesis 22, 15 to 18, uh, it says, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will swear by my own name, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all nations of earth will be blessed all because you've obeyed me. Now this is fulfilled in uh, Galatians 3, uh, verse 8, what's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed the good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. And then in Matthew uh, chapter 1, where it rec recounts the, the genealogy of Jesus. So presenting the record of ancestors uh, in this way was one of uh, the most interesting ways that Matthew um, could, be, could begin a book for a Jewish audience. 
because a person's family life, family line proved his or her standing as one of God's chosen people. Now Matthew began by showing that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, the father of the Jews, and a direct descendant of David, fulfilling uh, prophecies about the Messiah's line. So in Isaiah 9, that's on the next one, uh, verse 7, it says, His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And this is fulfilled in Luke uh, chapter 1. He says, he'll be a, he will be very great and will be called, by the son, called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel. His kingdom will never end. You know, next we have Micah uh, verse five, uh, sorry, chapter 5, verse 2. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, o Bethlehem Ephrathah. Is that Ephrathah? Cool. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. And then we see this fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 4 to 6, where it says, And because Joseph was the descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judah, in Judea, uh, um, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took him with Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. So I just, I love this one. It's just incredible because if you think about, it just shows just how God's awesome power uh, through this whole story. Now, the Romans at the time uh, had an emperor and the emperor ruled that, uh, decreed that a census should be taken. And in complying with this order, Joseph took Mary from, uh, back to his ancestral town. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't living there, he wasn't, he, uh, but he had to go back to be registered. And, and all through, you know, it just shows God working through all things, you know. Um, we have uh, God working um, through, through his people, but we also have God working through the ruling power at the time in the Romans, you know. Uh, God, uh, the, the Romans ruled that everyone must go back and in, uh, to their ancestral homes. And in doing so, the prophecy uh, was, was fulfilled that was made many hundreds of years before that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And so we see lastly in Isaiah 11, uh, verse 2, it says, And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. It's fulfilled in, uh, in Matthew 3 at Jesus' baptism. So um, we kind of go a little bit... A little bit beyond the Christmas story with this one, but, you know, uh, but after his baptism, uh, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So those are just a few examples of where we see the coming of Christ being, fulfilled, uh, being prophesied in the, in the Old Testament and being fulfilled uh, in just incredible detail uh, just at the start of the New Testament. So when we get to the New Testament, we see the people in Jesus' time still waiting for, the deliverance, for this deliverance by a special God-anointed person whom they will call the Messiah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all try to show them and us that this person is Jesus. Jesus declares that the kingdom of God has come and that he's come through him. He is the one who provides a way back to Eden, to a relationship with God. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. It says in John's gospel, no one comes to the Father except through me. 
So I, was ho- uh, so I hope this morning that we've just been able to consider you know, the why behind Christmas. You know, through Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin entered the world and broke the connection between us and God. But God loves us and restores and wants to restore that relationship with us. And so he promised a salvation through Jesus. Throughout the Bible, God reveals his deepest desire, and that is to relate to us and to have fellowship with us. We can take comfort in the stories and the verses which remind us that God will fulfill his promises too and undo the effect of sin and bring light into the darkness. That fulfillment may not come in the timeline that we have in mind, much like, much like for the Jews, but we can, rest, we, can, we can rest in his promise and know that it will uh, be fulfilled. So this Christmas, we celebrate Jesus' birth just like every other Christmas uh, it had gone by. But we also celebrate his life and his death and the fulfillment of God's promise of salvation. Thanks for listening to the Stirling Vineyard Sunday podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at stirlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Stirling Vineyard Church. <laughs>